welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by the illustrious David Burdett. Hello there. And as well as our magnificent editor-in-chief, Ron Burke. Hey, I'm magnificent. Awesome. Yes. And in this podcast, we talk to you about the biggest games of the week, what we should have been playing a long time ago that's in our backlog, and what you need to play this week. We're going to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and the multiplayer, because we didn't talk about that last week, and David's got his full review out for that. And we are also going to talk about the... Uh, latest game that is not quite out, but the reviews are out there for God of War Ragnarok, so we'll get into that as well. Every game we talk about is timestamped, so you can jump to the game you are interested. So, I think it would be most appropriate to talk about God of War Ragnarok first, so let's do that. All right, fellas, uh, I don't have a PS5 and I'm not going to play this on PS4. I'm just not going to set up the machine. I am done with the old hardware. I refuse to use the old hardware at this point. So, Ron, tell us how you are feeling about God of War Ragnarok. Let's talk about the old hardware first. Um, Just for funsies. Uh, I didn't include it in my review because I didn't have it in time for, for the deadline, but... This actually does run really well. Um, I set my PS4 up and I set up my PS4 Pro and tested both. Um, it's what you'd expect. You're going to get about 30 frames per second. Uh, there's there's multiple modes that you can select uh, for both uh, both sets of consoles as well as the PS5. Um, but generally speaking, you know, it's about what you'd expect. It's 1080p 30 on the PS4, and uh, you know, there's a really stable like 40. I think it's 46 frames per second on the PS4 Pro. Um, both of them will sound like they're about to achieve liftoff. It is extraordinarily loud, so this is pushing the system as hard as it will ever go. Um, it, will, it will definitely... You need to turn your volume up, is what I'm saying. <laughs> or get noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. It's a little loud, a little loud. Um, PS5, on the other hand, like butter. It, Oh my goodness, just so good. Um, if you're if you're a frame rate junkie, uh, there is a 120 uh, re, uh, 120 frame mode that you can select. Uh, if you really want that maximized frame rate, uh, I didn't find it to be all that useful. But if you know number goes burr is exciting for you, uh, there's a numbers go burr setting for you. Uh, nice. But I find it's really great. Uh, just at 4K and 60 is perfectly fine. Um, it's going to be hard to talk about this and not spoil things because literally 15 minutes in, you're already into some big moments and, um, Mm. it doesn't stop. Uh, Normally, you know, most games, you kind of have a pace where it's like, okay, we're going to get these major movers out of the way. Then you're going to kind of have this middle part where you're building up your power and then you've got the, the big finale, right? Not so here. It's kind of constant throughout, you know, you've got these little moments and you've got these big moments. And they come at they come when you least expect them, and then there's these quiet moments, and and those come kind of out of nowhere too, where just the most crazy stuff that that I really I don't want to spoil here, um, but it just it's just somehow better than the original, and it's it's crazy to even say that, but the pacing, the story, the writing, the voice work, 
the character growth. I mean, just everything about it is so good. Um, I do want to touch on combat too. Uh, yeah. Combat is so much better in this one. They've at, at any moment you feel like this game could fall apart under the weight of all these new systems, but somehow they're all so well balanced. Um, so like Kratos's ax, the Leviathan ax, you can now make that frost and you can kind of power it up and you can use that. And then like before you had like a, a light and a heavy, uh, special move. That's great. Those, those are in there too. And there's a whole variety of them just like before, but when you combine them or you're using that in conjunction with some special arrows that, uh, Atreus gets now you've got a whole, you know, you've got like a, a multiplier basically of, of. You used it this way in the first game, and now you're using it in a completely new way in the second game. Um, and those same arrows, again, I'm trying to be really vague here. Those same arrows are used for solving puzzles. Um, and I'm just, I'm really dancing here. <laughs> um, some some other moments in the game, you're going to have uh, opportunities to use those in, in some new and interesting ways uh, that... They, they start off as combat elements and they turn into puzzle elements and then you're kind of using them together for both. Um, yeah, it's, I, I can't dance around that. Further. I did. I've heard the shield uh, becomes more than just a cosmetic uh, yeah. blocking tool as well as a cool thing. So right out of the gate, um, you end up with... Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to spoil this part because it's in the trailers and it's like in the first like three minutes of the game. The shield is damaged. So you end up going to Brock and Sindri, and they're like, hey, we're going to work on that shield, but in the meantime, pick one of these two, and you can use that. So shield number one is this uh, this kind of rounded Aegis-type shield that is good for that last-second you know, perfect block, and you can counter it and parry, and it works pretty much like the original shield did. Uh, and then there's another one that's like a bulwark shield. It's this huge square shield. You can't parry with it, but what you can do is you can charge it. And every time somebody hits it, it charges it a little bit more. And then you can unleash it, which just blows everybody back. And uh, so that kind of changes up things. And you get multiple other shields throughout the game. And those shields can be upgraded. So it's much like the other weapons in the game that could be you know, upgraded and, and augmented. Uh, it's just now fully realized. So they spent the time on the shields. And that's not the only ones, but I'm, I'm definitely not going to touch base on those. Now, now with the shields, that. with the shields, can you swap those out at, as you wish, or is it well, something where you gotta pick them up other times? Nope, at will. Okay, cool. So it's it becomes the third the third leg of the stool. You've got your axe, you've got the uh, the chains of chaos, and now you've got this shield that is is a real a real weapon, and not just you know I can parry with it. So so just conceptually, oh go ahead, David. Oh, I was just gonna like just to add on to it. So how? How good does this feel on a dual sense then? <laughs> so that was one of the things that I mentioned in my review. I was kind of surprised because there's a lot of these really cool moments. Like the first time that you pick up um, your chains, you know, the tinkling sound comes out of the dual sense. And there's those, those kind of things are layered throughout. Um, and, you know, the first time that you, you take the axe and you chop down a tree that's in your way. That, you know, makes the triggers are very heavy, you know. So there's a couple of moments like that that the team clearly said, we should do that here, that are not as well layered throughout the rest of the game. Uh, it's really one of the only real disappointments that I had was that they just, 
they use the dual sense a couple of times to say, oh, by the way, don't don't forget, we also have this cool dual sense thing, and then they kind of forgot. Hmm. So it still has, you know, the trigger pulls are different for the chains versus the axe, um, but it's just not as as robust as it could be. And I, you know, honestly, I'm looking forward to the death of the PS4 because then we can stop doing that. Then it's going to be we only have to support one platform, and this is the controller for it. Now, are the haptics still feel really, really good when you when you pull the Leviathan axe back to you? Oh yeah, totally. And when you smack somebody with the shield too, there's there's some impact to that <laughs> for sure. So conceptually, I'm just trying to understand because I haven't played either game. But when you talk about the shield and the uses and you don't want to get into spoilers, but I'm going to use the legend of Zelda as an example, just so I could conceptually understand what you mean by, uh, the way the shield can be used in different ways. Mm-hmm. In the Ocarina of time, you have the mirror shield, right? Obviously it acts as your shield, but when you get to a dungeon, it also acts as a way to solve problems within certain dungeons is the equipment is the equipment kind of similar in that fashion or is it something different? So it's more combat focused. Um, Legend of Zelda typically, you know, other than like some of the Moblin camps when you're swarmed by a bunch of dudes, for the most part, it's one-on-one, you know, maybe two-on-one. This one, you can definitely get swarmed by a lot more than that. So timing your your shield blocks so you can repel somebody um, is, is a major part of the shield use. Or with that bulwark, charging it up, uh, since you can't parry, then you really have to make sure that you're facing the right direction. Um, some of the later creatures that you're going to run into have some paper, rock, scissors thing. Like I have to stun it with an arrow and once it's stunned or a specific type of arrow, not just an arrow. And then once I've done that, then I can use either the shield or I can use an ax or, uh, the, uh, the chains. But on top of that, you've also got the elemental elements. So some of the new uh, things that you'll see on the life bar, you'll have like this kind of runic, uh, kind of runic script, if you will, on top of their health bar. And it'll be either blue or red. Obviously, you can figure that out. Use the right weapon for the job. You can whittle down their armor really quickly, or you can just beat on it with your favorite weapon. It just takes longer. Um, but there's some elements of that. And then on top of that, they've added new attacks. So you could always throw the axe and freeze somebody. Um, but now you can kind of charge up the axe and then whip it at them, and it will freeze them or stun them. Uh, same thing with the chains. You can kind of throw the chains the blades of chaos into their chest and then whip the chains and it throws fire at them. So you're using that to, uh, to take out enemies, but you can also use it for solving puzzles. There's like these brambles that are in the environment. And these are a little bit in the first one as well. These brambles in the environment, you use the, the chains to burn those. Um, but later on, you're going to run into ones that you can't burn. They look kind of rusted. And for that, you need a special type of arrow to light it up, and then you light that rune on fire, and it causes those to explode. So there's there's kind of that paper, rock, scissors element for the combat, but then there's also the, the puzzle-solving element as well. Okay. Uh, also, I encourage you to pick this game up. PC version is fantastic. Oh, the PC version's well, already out? Oh, the 2018. First game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I have it. I just haven't played it yet. Uh, Carve some time, my friend. Carve some time. It's very good. I uh, I planned on playing it next week. I picked up Elden Ring, so that took up a little bit well, of my time this week. See you in a couple um, of weeks. Elden Ring's going to consume your life. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to pause that so I can play God of War. <laughs> that's more. That's uh, a good decision. Yeah. So considering I haven't played the first one, if I decided, I'm not going to. But if I decided, 
to play God of War Ragnarok. Would uh, would that be a poor decision, or should I play God of War first if the you know uh, the, or do the stories just literally match up in that way? They are absolutely seamless. You should definitely play the first one. You will be somewhat okay. lost in, on the story elements of the second one without it. Okay. Um, it, you, know, you could probably get away with not playing a previous God of War game, you know, leading up to the 2018 one. You right, could probably yeah. skip one and be okay. The narrative wasn't the focus, but these ones are very narrative focused. Right. Yeah, this one picks up. Wondering. This one picks up just a couple of years after the first game. Like ah, okay. Atreus is a teenager, probably because the person playing Atreus is now a teenager. <laughs> Fair. But uh, yeah, it jumps forward in time a couple of years. Um, again, I'm not giving away anything that's not known in the first like three minutes of the game, but um, there's an event. I'm not going to spoil it for you since I know you haven't played the game. There's an event that happens in the first game that triggers something called Fimble Winter. If you're familiar with uh, Nordic mythology, um, Fimble Winter is basically the freezing of the, the world of Midgard uh, that precedes Ragnarok, which is the end of the end times. So yeah, it picks up right right as Fimble Winter's basically consumed the uh, Midgard, and you're kind of running around dealing with the consequences of that. That is a really cool right. thing about the game, though. Um, so one of the things that you're going to see when you play the game is there's this big hub world in Midgard called the uh, the Lake of the Nine, and it leads to all nine realms of. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> all nine realms of. Uh, of the world. So you got Midgard, which is basically here. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. So I'll just say that it leads to the different realms that you can go to in the game. Um, and it's a basic, a giant lake and you kind of, you know, paddle around in your boat to get to all these different areas. That's all frozen over now. So now you're using uh, a sled to get around there and some parts are inaccessible. It allowed Sony to, to reuse, uh, some of the areas, but not really reuse them. None of the areas feel like they're reused. Even if you're visiting some place that you've seen before, it's a completely different world. Hmm. I'm assuming that's largely because of the Fimble Winter. Yeah, and Fimble Winter doesn't necessarily affect the realms the same way. It's not completely frozen over everywhere you go. Sometimes it just means, okay, well, now you've got to deal with acid creatures everywhere because Fimble Winter has <laughs> twisted this world in a different way. Mm. Okay, cool. Which, so, by the way, which, there's a new status effect, acid. Which uh, <laughs> you're you're talking about new creatures and stuff. I, from what I read in our, the review, they went crazy because I know that was a a somewhat something people got onto them about in the first game. Is there wasn't a lot of different beasts, whereas yep. it, they've gone over the top in this one. Yeah, so you had pretty much droggers, and you had uh, tazzleworms, and you had. Uh, you had some of the guys in, in Muspelheim that were uh, kind of the undead Hellwalker kind of guys, but it was, it was a pretty short list of enemies that you'd fight. This one, every world has a different set of enemies. And um, another thing that I mentioned in the review is that the game is very unpredictable. You may be doing one thing, and all of a sudden you're going to be you know, harpooned through the shoulder and yanked out a different direction, and suddenly you're in a boss fight. When you were, you know, just kind of roaming around the world. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it happens at a moment's notice, and it happens sometimes at the most inopportune times. Um, so, you know, you may be just finishing up a boss fight, and you exit this area, and all of a sudden you're in another boss fight, and you have not had a chance to recover. So now you're really having to lean on your skill. You can't just go, okay, well, I had a bunch of power charged up, and I have a bunch of rage power, you know, uh, set aside. Nope, not this time. <laughs> Better be good with that block. 
Fascinating. Yeah. I, like like I said in my review, it does exceed the original in, in pretty much every way. So I just, yeah, if you haven't played the first one, get on that. And then this is going to be a game of the year. I can guarantee it. Even, even in the, amidst uh, all the goodness that Elden Ring brought, this is better. We'll see what the Elden Ring fans say. Yeah, Twitter's going to melt down between these two games, no matter who wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a kind of uh, light year for gaming, but man, there have been some real standouts. There has, yeah, that's true, and maybe that's because there hasn't been a ton of games, but so it's easier for them to stand out. But I mean, it's there's no question, Elden Ring, and uh, I guess now this one are uh, going to be pretty big, no matter what came out. Yeah. Last week we last week we had talked about uh, Call of Duty and the the CGI and you know it's it's just one of the most remarkable uh, CGI you know cutscene stuff that the video games have produced so far. How does God of War Ragnarok stack up? Well, I gotta I gotta give props where it's due. Captain Price is looking good these days. <laughs> Call of Duty yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, um, it's really good. Ragnarok is is definitely pushing the PS5 hard, uh, if that gives you any indication. Uh, there are no CGI cutscenes. It's all in-engine, and man, it just... They don't need it. I mean, there's so much detail. It's nuts. It really is amazing what they've been, what they've been able to pull off with. I think it's called the Anvil Engine. Um, with this engine, it's just phenomenal. I sincerely hope that they continue to use this engine for other things. It's just... It looks that good. Nice. All right. Um, I know there. I know there's so much more to talk about, but it seems like from top to bottom, the entire game is just one big spoiler. So it's, it's, yeah. kind of, it's so hard. It was so hard to write too. It was so hard to write that review and not spoil anything. Um, okay, so something that's not a spoiler. How good is okay. the soundtrack? Hmm. So yeah, that's Bear McCreary. Let's say that again, Bear McCreary coming back for the soundtrack for this uh there's a reason why that guy's top talent and and if you look at his his uh list of credits i mean this is going to be a highlight for sure um the soundtrack is what you'd expect i mean it swells when it needs to it stays in the background when, it's, when it needs to there's a lot more emotional engagement uh in this one you know uh you know we're seeing kratos kind of evolve as a father you know he's having to deal with a teenager for crying out loud uh, so he's having to to deal with a lot of stuff that, yeah, frankly, as a Spartan, he certainly wasn't trained to do. I'm sure he has dad issues, <laughs> given oh, who yeah. his father so is. He explored a couple of those in the previous games. Yeah, so he's having to kind of learn on the fly, and you know, he's he's got help on his hip. Again, I'm not going to ruin that for Anthony, but uh, you know, only if the man will listen. So there's, yeah, it's uh yeah, it's a solid soundtrack. I, I definitely, I think that's included with the uh, super crazy mega edition of the of the game, right? The super collector's edition. I think it comes. Yeah, with I believe soundtrack. the Jotnar edition does include the. I think it actually even includes it on vinyl. So, uh, nice. Not that I have anything to play it on vinyl, but I will certainly put it on my wall. <laughs> I'm sure Mike oh, is just is just like you. What? And he's already buying me a. Uh, a, a record player to play stuff for, for Christmas. Please don't do that, Mike. I'll never play them. Please don't. You could display them. That's, I do. That's an option. 
I actually oh, have signed go. copies of a bunch of stuff that's on vinyl, like the uh, the Mech Warrior soundtrack. Um, or, I'm sorry, the Battle Tricks, Battle Tech soundtrack. I was like Mech Warrior. Wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mech Warrior. Right? No, the uh, the Battle Tech soundtrack and the uh, um, uh, Shadowrun soundtracks. I have those on vinyl in there. They're signed and on my wall. Interesting. Um, so when I when I speaking of music, when I when I think of soundtrack that really influences the game i know i know we're all in like call of duty world right now with modern warfare 2 but i seriously think of the original modern warfare 2 soundtrack as one of the most like seminal soundtracks for a video game because it is one of those soundtracks that propels modern warfare 2 into what it is because the entire thing is like wow like this music not only fits, I mean, like, I feel like I'm in it. Like, if I were in war, like, this is the soundtrack I would be using, you know? Like, it's just so, it's, it's so influential with Lorne Balf and uh, what Hans Zimmer did with it. Um, does this soundtrack do a similar thing with Ragnarok? Like, if you took the music away, but then you put it back in, like, how much better does the soundtrack make Ragnarok? Oh, yeah, it's definitely like that. It's it. So the other thing is we're dealing with multiple realms, right? So he's he's composed a soundtrack for each area. So each area feels a little bit different. You know, when you're dealing with light elves, it's going to feel different than when you're in like uh, Svartalfheim, which is the uh, elf, I'm sorry, the, uh, the dwarven area. That's going to have a different soundtrack and it feels different. So he's, he's, definitely, he's definitely thought about what each of these realms might sound like. And uh, as a result, you get a soundtrack that feels very alive. And it's, it, like you said, in Call of Duty, it's, it's, it would be much less without it, for sure. Okay, yeah. Nice. I'm going right. to take the well, extra points for pronouncing Svartalheim. <laughs> points given. Anything else you can mention? Uh, hmm. I know it's tricky. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Performance-wise, uh, I really didn't have a single issue with this. Uh, there was some some hitching and stuff uh, in in the first game that got ironed out by patches over time. I'm not seeing that at launch here. Uh, I did find a couple of bugs that were cosmetic bugs. You know, Kratos running around with his hand out waiting for an axe that isn't coming. Just little things like that that I'm sure they're going to patch long before you guys get your hands on it. I know there's some more patches coming. Uh, I've already seen the the day one patch. Uh, and that that fixed up some some frame rate things that um, that I saw pr- prior to that patch, but now those are all smoothed out. So yeah, it seems like they're this one's coming in hot, and they're they're definitely making it ready for for the public. So should be good. Awesome. All right. Um, all right. That is God of War Ragnarok, developed by Santa Monica Studios and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. And we gave it a hundred out of a hundred. Uh, yes. Yep. Perfect score. And well deserved. Wow. Well, as from what I saw in Open Critic, there are a lot of ten and tens and five out of fives to it, go around for that. So on Metacritic it is resting at a ninety-four. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it started on Open Critic. So I'm curious to see where it's at now. Uh, Somebody rated a 20 out of 20. That is a very odd scale to me. Why not just... Oh. Solid 5 out of 7, I guess. <laughs> that's a lot of numbers. All right. <laughs> uh, open right, Critic well. is also sitting at a 94. 
Okay, so it's still at 94. All right. Sounds yeah, I'm, like eager, that's probably I'm where eager to talk to this once you've beaten the first game and, and you jump in on this. I'm, I'm eager to see kind of what you think. Oh, and, is that why you've been dancing around spoilers? Yeah, there's some, there's some stuff that I don't want to mention oh. because I don't want to spoil you. Are, you. Yeah, you don't know me very well. I could give a flip less about spoilers. (laughs) I am one of those people. I I do not care about spoilers because once I start playing it, when it's all put together, it's like, oh, like I still get that. I'm the one of those people. I watch a sports game. The people be like, oh, don't tell me this guy. I'm like, no, tell me this guy. I want to see how we get there. So if there's stuff you want to talk about, please go for it. No, I, 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 the stuff that I danced around was pretty, pretty minor. So yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about the game now, the first one. Okay, yeah. All righty. Then uh, let's get back into some familiar territory. It's time to talk about the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer. All right, David. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but <laughs> I really like... The Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer. What? <laughs> so, backstory with why I'm saying that. The last one I played feverishly was Black Ops 2. Okay, that's I enjoyed nice. Black Ops 2. Very good multiplayer. Still think it's a very good multiplayer. After that, I, I, I did play some Advanced Warfare. I thought that was okay. I didn't think it was horrible like other people did. I thought it was okay. Um... But then I just got tired. I was like, you know what? I, I'm tired of playing Call of Duty. Um, I'm tired of dealing with the people who play it and all that stuff. A lot of people got and, tired in the jetpack era. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't even the jetpacks for me. That 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 wasn't even the issue. Um, I had no interest in playing Black Ops 3. I was never a Black Ops player as far as campaign and things like that. I was never interested in the series. Um, the multiplayer looked really good to me. So I was like, I want to check this out. And then I got hooked on it. So it was good. Everything else after that was kind of like, ah, I don't have to deal with this. So I'm not going to, uh, I did play infinite warfare. Didn't bother with the, uh, multiplayer. Um, that's a good campaign though. It was, it was, it was good. So I enjoyed that. Um, but after that it was, I was like, ah, I don't really want to deal with the way call of duty does. It's multiplayer. Took a break from it, played a teeny bit of 2019 just because it was so fresh with Modern Warfare 2019. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll give that a shot. Didn't last very long with that. Wasn't really feeling it. So we start playing Modern Warfare 2, just the, the, the beta. And I was like, all right, there's something here. This feels a little familiar. I kind of remember the taste of this. So then we get to the actual game, and I'm like playing more of it than I got to play in the beta. I'm like, hmm, I actually want to keep playing this. (laughs) And I suck still, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But, I, you know, when you have a little bit of success, you're like, all right, how far can this go? But you say it feels slower. I say it feels familiar. When I say it feels familiar, it feels more like Call of Duty 2009 in its pacing. Yep. Um, or even, even maybe even Call of Duty 4. So I like that. It fits. It's, I guess you could say, nostalgic to me. Um, but the guns hit hard. They sound good. The, I like the concept of Gunsmith. There's still some things uh, 
what I said, what, a week ago, two weeks ago about that, that I, I still don't like how you have to earn the ability to unlock and attach things to your guns, even though you've unlocked the attachments. But there, there's room for me to play the way I play. And for the first time in Call of Duty, I was kind of like, everybody's just running around and I'm just kind of pacing myself around the map. I was like, this is the way I want to play. I want to see if this works. And I've had a lot of success playing that way. Whereas even in Call of Modern Warfare 2009, I don't think I would have had any success playing that way. But I can not necessarily like crouch around, but I can walk around the map and like post up on a corner real quick, expecting somebody to be there and get the advantage that way without it feeling like I'm just sitting there camping. I'm just strategically moving around (laughs) the map, not sitting in a corner or whatever, but also not bum rushing it everywhere uh, because I'm not that type of player. Even the way I play Halo, I'm very like situational, sectional. I will hold off a section until I feel like, all right, now the rotations are changing. It's time for me to move to a different section where other people are and let me post up in that area and the fact that I could play that way is enjoyable to me and I I am glad I can I can do that tell me about score streaks though with Black Ops 2 when they did when they were doing the score streaks did it reset after you died or I, I can't remember I feel like there's no no they, score they don't uh well I don't know necessarily on Black Ops 2 because I didn't play it a lot, but I know that, say, in Cold War recently, uh, your score streak continues on past your death. Yeah. So because I got to spend more time with it now, I typically use score streaks because I'm not good at getting kill streaks. But because, because I'm not good at getting kill streaks, I use score streaks, but I realized. I was like, oh, my score keeps resetting Mm. every time I die, which totally defeats the purpose of using the score streak. So that's what I was trying to remember. I was like, I was like, did did it do that in the past? I don't remember. Um, So I don't like that Um, because it is, it does take longer unless you're playing something like kill confirmed or domination or even hard point. It does take longer for you to get your, uh, kill streaks or whatever um because you have to earn so many more points so you have to earn four kills to get your first you know uav for example whereas with the score streak you have to get 500 points which basically equates to five kills so uh unless you're playing something where you can earn extra points like kill confirmed so if i'm playing team deathmatch like i am at a huge disadvantage regardless because i'm still not going to get kill streaks and i'm still not going to get the score streak so i feel like that needs to be switched out even if they increase the amount of score streak you need to get which i think would be fair yeah but score streak should be continual that's the point of using the score streak over the kill streak so i feel like that is a uh an issue but other than that i my favorite map 
is the freeway map. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's so stupidly chaotic. Santa Sena border crossing, the bane is, of most Call of Duty people existence. It is so stupidly chaotic, but it, that's what makes it so much fun. Have you seen this one, Ron? I have not. I have not okay. seen that So, to give some context to anybody listening to this, this map is literally one long lane. So the, like this is not a square there. map. This is not like an a weird looking rectangle no. or it, no. <laughs> this is literally a long map. Like, so the way I would describe it. <laughs> yes, but the way I would describe it, it does have two lanes. It but it does, acts but more like an IndyCar 500 oval. Like it, it's, it just, it's it's more of a one long it's more circle. of almost a flanking. It's more like a flanking uh, lane on the left is what it feels almost like. Okay, like yeah. you're not you're not bunching up to go down that side. With no. and so, obviously the little middle covered area is its own thing that isn't really a lane. Yeah, it, so it's it would the, really be stretching it to call it three lanes. <laughs> So it's a very long right. stretch, right? <laughs> yes. from the sounds of it. Uh, the funny enough, is like don't. all the cars. So, so what? The most annoying part, at least in my side of it, because I've I've learned to play the map. My me and my team have learned to play the map. We've learned to actually do well on the map. Yeah. But callouts are one of the most annoying yes, thing in the world because I can only scream. He's at the truck so many times before people. <laughs> say, what truck? <laughs> or what car like we're sitting here like okay yeah this bus is cut in half by an explosion what do we call it <laughs> like how do, do we call it half do we call it like we're trying to come up with random names and like one of the call of duty call outs is use a color well there are multiple green buses on this stinking map i can't say green because it might be something else uh, at this point, I'm about to treat it like the desks in Berlin on Vanguard, <clears throat> where we literally had four desks in a room, and every single one of them was a flipping heady glitch. <laughs> so we end up going, okay, he's at D1, he's at D2, he's at D3. I'm going to say, he's yeah. at green one, he's at green two. He's great. That's yeah. what this is going to turn into. And it's a map that I don't want to actually really try because it's never going to be in ranked play. This map makes absolutely no sense for from a competitive standpoint. No, no, it doesn't. So, like, I'll say this it, based on your description. It's realistic. <laughs> it's hilarious. I can tell you, cars in the field in the real world are very much like that. So there is, yeah. <laughs> there is a video circulating where a guy runs down the freeway side, uh, which is the smaller side, and he gets shot. He spawns right back in, immediately starts dead sprinting down the highway, and a car explodes and takes him out within five seconds of him respawning. He respawns again, runs down. Within five seconds, another car explodes, taking him out. It happens four times. That's the Call of Duty I know. <laughs> it's, it's just the the most random thing I've ever seen. And then it's even more compacted with something else. It's it, it just it happened on the map in this video. I watched a guy use a launcher to take out a VTOL jet. 
he okay. goes around a corner, shoots it, and then he comes back in and he's reloading, and then he comes back out because he got the little score thing of you took it down. He comes out to see the jet spinning down out of the air and kills all of them when it crashes <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> I've had something similar happen playing Call of Duty where I've killed something, you know, or maybe this battlefield where I've, I've shot something out of the air. And then got shot, and then I respawned, and the thing I shot out of the air just kills me instantly. Like, oh, yeah, sure. this makes it's sense. It's just insane because I've not seen this happen in Call of Duty, at least that I remember. <laughs> so usually crash out I usually crash out of the map. I gotta say that yeah, I'm with that... Anthony, though. I actually prefer a slower Call of Duty, and maybe that's because I'm old, but um, I prefer the more tactical and less frantic. Uh, I don't want to reward, and this kind of goes to the campaign, too. I don't want to reward reckless behavior and a lot of times i feel like call of duty rewards reckless behavior so um i like to take my time and be more tactical uh which means i slide a lot less which i know hurts you to your soul like deep well, down they've kind of killed sliding pretty hardcore in this game are you, so I'm are you okay David? Do, you, I, do you need somebody to talk to i i am learning the hop <laughs> i'm learning hopping so it's it's they replaced it with hopping uh, they kind of well, nerfed it's that not, too, though. They did nerf it. It's just, but I can still do it <laughs> somewhat. It's not as overpowered as it was in the beta. <laughs> Small favors. But something like with you mentioning that, something I've noticed, because I have been reading some other reviews for the game and people being like, I'm just upset because they've, they've really killed the pacing and stuff like that and whatnot and stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, look, Infinity Ward made their game, and I get it. They are, to a degree, catering to casuals, which, spoiler alert, the game just earned over $800 million, so they obviously, it's money well spent catering to the casual community. <laughs> but it's, I, I don't understand, like, going into a game like that and then just automatically being mad because a mechanic isn't the same. Like, I understand they removed something completely and killed something and whatnot. You're missing a main feature of the game. But, I mean, back in the COD 4 Modern Warfare 2 days, you weren't slide canceling. That This was only a recent mechanic <laughs> where you were really just booking it everywhere. So this is kind of at some times yeah. prone wasn't even it was, yeah. it was in and out between Treyarch and Infinity Ward. And I mean, I made I made kind of a joke a while back and I forget who it was with, but I said something. Around, I was like, it's the great reset. And, and I was mainly talking about how, you know, we're, we're going into modern warfare Warzone, especially coming back as Warzone 2.0. I mean, that's a humongous reset of this franchise. But it really is a reset when it's when we're talking, it's it's kind of going back to its roots in this, like you've said, Anthony, in that it, we're not these Tasmanian devils moving around the map. Like, I, I don't understand being like giving a game a lower score because you're not willing to play the game at the level that it's created. <laughs> like, I, uh, I get that you like it. But. That doesn't mean it's not good just because you can't sprint around the map. So I've said this for a very long time. Uh, I've been doing this. I've been reviewing games for a very long time at this point. The golden rule is this. Review the game in front of you, not the game you wish it was. So, yes. like you said, it's really, 
you're looking at, especially when you're talking about like Call of Duty, where there's there's multiple developers working on uh, the game in, a, in kind of an alternating fashion. They're going to make the game as they envision it, and there's going to be some guidance from from Activision, of course. Uh, but they're making their game, and then next year it's going to be the next person's game. So you got to judge the game that's in front of you. You can't just simply say, "Well, I want I want them all to be the same." Well, for the love of God, please don't do that because then it's then it's Madden. I don't want the same game just with a different year on the end. I want it to innovate. Neither, I want to try new stuff. What's that? I said neither do they. Right. Exactly. And and I think the public actually, for as much as they say that they want a certain thing, if they had it, they probably wouldn't want it anymore. Yeah. Well, at this point, I think the only people who really want it are streamers and people who are, once again, I can't sprint around the map and get a hundred kills anymore. Wait. Like, and, and I and I don't want to say that everybody's just whining because I know some people. It's it is it's the way they like to play it. So they have a legitimate thing of you know what this just isn't as fun to me anymore. But yeah. don't just trash on the game because it isn't that way. Well, but use your opinions. <laughs> exactly. That's very true. Well, they have $800 million to back up their, uh, their success. It seems like so, they might be onto something. Well, and it's considering that was just the weekend, ever. it's probably over the... <laughs> <laughs> the billion dollar mark now yeah 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 the highest selling opening excuse me opening yep. launch of Call and, of Duty. Ever, and that's so. even with people know that's even with people knowing that warzone 2.0 is around the corner literally around the corner is and that- that's also with people who played the beta which yep. millions of people played the beta so you knew what you were going to get this it wasn't a beta like oh we're gonna make a whole bunch of changes before this comes out no the biggest changes they were made were to the UI, and even yeah. that wasn't and, even that and, much change. It still sucks. And the bunny, and the bunny hop, <laughs> and the bunny That's hop. It. But after that, I mean, those weren't huge changes. You got what you got, and you knew what you were going to get, and you still paid for it. Yeah. So you mentioned Warzone 2.0. Is that really a different audience? I mean, is that really a different audience than the 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 kind of the mainline multiplayer it, folks? It has been after. It, it may not be as much this time around, but it real like honestly. You, Call of Duty multiplayer and Warzone split um, somewhere in the Cold War season. Uh, mm. They they split off. Got it. Yeah, the, the Battle Royale audience loves that. They they love the Battle Royale. They're, they're not as much into the arena-style squad-based stuff unless it's in the Battle Royale format. And after playing as much multiplayer of Call of Duty that I was playing, I can understand at least a singular reason why. Uh, number one, or and at least the reason for me, I was, <laughs> I, was pl- <laughs> I was playing Overwatch, Overwatch 2. And I was just trying to complete my dailies and stuff. And David, we talked about this. The matchmaking in Overwatch is very wonky. And so I played one game, absolutely demolished the team. The next two games, I get absolutely obliterated. <laughs> I am stuck with people who don't know how to group up. The other team, I mean, they are combining. They are uh, definitely looks like they're playing as a team, probably talking. So I'm like, I'm, I'm done with Overwatch for tonight. I'm going to play some Modern Warfare 2. I get into Modern Warfare 2. The exact 
Same thing happens to me <laughs> in my first match. I get paired up with a bunch of people who are just dying all over the place. I had 27 deaths, 25 deaths, 19 kills. It wasn't a great game for me. Other people on my team had 41 deaths, 36 deaths with less kills than I did. And I'm like, okay, I'm not good at the game. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. but that's irresponsible, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are dying all <laughs> over the place. There's no way we could. But you could also tell the other team was so well coordinated. They were just, they were just there when we, they needed to be. They had follow-ups. If one kill, I mean, they were just all over the place. They were just perfectly in sync. And I'm like, that is a reason. I get it. That's why people play BR. Because it's just, it, you could be just singular you. And you are just going up against 99 other people. And we'll see how the cards play out. I can get the appeal of that. Because when you're dealing with those kind of matchmaking issues, you don't have to deal with that in BR. Because you're playing against 99 other people. Yes, somebody might be much, much, much better with you than you. But you might get the jump on them. Or you don't have to deal with them until maybe the last 10. So Or they die off before the, you even get to you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like... I. I totally get why people would prefer to play a BR. And that's just one reason. Yeah, we, the other night we had uh, a lobby that we just absolutely, well, I say we, uh, one of, my guy went 44 and three. Oh, in one of the matches. And uh, we were real mad at him, mainly because my brother and I, like we held our own with our kills. But if you look, we had 14 assists between the two of us. Oh yeah, and we were like, "Bro, <laughs> you stealing all our kills, man." <laughs> I know this is team based. <laughs> I know this is team based. I know this is we both we both put those bullets in. But modern warfare is different because in Vanguard, it just counted as an elimination, so you got the credit. In modern warfare, you just get the assist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely have that feeling, though, Anthony, where it's like, oh, I guess I'm just not going to win today. I guess there's no victory for me today. Doesn't matter which game I pick. It's just not going to happen. It's time to go to bed. (laughs) That happened when we played, uh, not Battle Royale, uh, Search and Destroy yesterday. We we were just not coordinated compared to the people across from us. Yeah, But it's not even, like, not coordinated. It's just like, yo, the matchmaking, like, just, just not even fair not this is not right like i should i should not be paired up against people who are clearly playing as a team that's why you gotta uh, play with me more buddy (laughs) come on where are you at (laughs) we need to play some more spec ops speaking of spec ops Ops, yes spec ops holy frick spec ops is nice we need to play more spec ops uh we played the mission that was uh, low profile low profile thank you we played that mission uh i I was definitely more of the like very slow and tactical. David was a little faster than I am because he's more confident. I'm always afraid of what the AI is going to do because you never know in like sneaking missions what the AI will respond to. And I don't want to set off the world because I decided to try something. And it's like the AI is like, oh, I decided to hear that. So I'm super slow and tactical. David was also slow and tactical, just faster than me. But uh, it was fun. Like coordinating our attacks and telling uh just just planning if you get a chance to play it uh spec ops is special this time around okay uh like he said uh, the cool thing they drop you into areas of the new warzone 2.0 map 
So that's part of what's kind of cool about it is this. These are really big areas. So this isn't just like waves of enemies are coming at you. That's it. Which one of the missions is one of them is a defender mission where it is more waves of enemies. But the one Anthony and I did that was low profile. We actually parachuted in and then we had three different bomb sites where we were searching for the radioactive pieces to get them and then X fell out. Okay. So it, it was just really cool because they had a bunch of AI on the map. So you're trying to, like he said, like he said, you're sneaking in. The first part we did, we dropped at A, he dropped over at a gas station at the, the successful run, should I say, because we did it first and then we did not account yeah. for claymores and different things. But I dropped down on top of a water tower and immediately sniped a couple guys on the, the A building roof. And he was taking people out from underneath. I parachuted over to the roof. We kind of combined and went in. I went in through the top. He went in through the bottom and we cleared people out uh, to be able to get to the the radioactive piece and grab that. So it's just, well, you're just telling me on it. It sounds cool. The, the tactics of it are really cool. Uh, one of the things that really makes me excited for is the fact that there are three person raids coming. So I am very intrigued if this is just the basis for how they are building this, like what kind of cool, intricate puzzle kind of spec ops missions are we in for here coming in the next month and a half? What's the uh, what's the max player count on that? Uh, currently two player. Uh, they actually okay. went from four player in the in the last iteration to two players in this one. My guess is they wanted to tighten up the experience a lot more. But mm-hmm. when raids come, it's actually going to be a three player experience. All right. Well, when ha- when that happens, I'm there. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. According uh, according uh, to Anthony, we're going to have to like work real hard because raids are a whole nother level of difficult. <laughs> Well, I mean, if they're going to take any uh, inspiration from Destiny 2, I mean, Destiny 2 missions, uh, raids are very elaborate, very intricate, very long. So based on what they're doing with Spec Ops, I mean, they had, you know, people parked on the roof. They had a, a, a car roaming around. They had claymores in front of very distinct areas. You get inside Lasers. a building, there are traps laser traps you can set off the alarm which basically brings everybody to you you, you do remember exact- playing with me right I, I set off pretty much every trap and i disturb every crow and disturb the witch i'm pretty I much forget that we've played a first person shooter before together i am a bull in the china shop you put a sniper rifle hey, in my hand i'm okay but it's you okay know. in this game we can slide that's apparently important <laughs> and dolphin dive <laughs> That's true. Um, (laughs) I imagine the raid would be a combination of everything that they've shown us in Spec Ops thus far, uh, if they want to make it really interesting. And I would assume on a grander scale. Right. And they said there'd be some puzzle-like elements as well. Um, What I probably imagine that is, is coordinated stuff where, you know, everybody has to be doing something in order you know, to achieve success and move on to the next section or whatever that may look like. So uh, the fact that it's three player is interesting. Um, Destiny goes for five. So um, well, that's why I'm interested right. in the scale, because if this is what we're getting in two player missions, like what's going to happen when it jumps up to three? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the scale will get that much bigger. But with that said, 
they could make it bigger and it's just more lethal um, because there's so much space and ground you might have to cover and yeah, who knows what which, they're gonna do I don't know which I tried the denied area which was the other mission the other mission yeah. that's sim- more similar to that and in that one you actually blow up a SAM turret and immediately have to get in a SUV and travel to several yeah. and it's big like yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is well, bigger than put, I expected. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to put in a driving moment, you got to make sure you're actually yep. feeling and you're, like you're driving somewhere. Yeah, and you're and you're actually running from uh, helicopters too that are trying to destroy you at the same time. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting because obviously in the campaign, all that stuff is very cinematic, so you get yeah. time to mess up and you know do those things. But when it's almost real time and not necessarily cinematic and you're having to start over man (laughs) yeah i can imagine something like that being very difficult when you're working with two other people so i'm looking i'm I'm looking forward to it i i have i uh i'm down for a call of duty raid i like the sound of it yeah i'm in it's point the way i'm ready i'm ready i'll mess it up for the both for for all three of us (laughs) yeah Good for a laugh. John, don't walk. There's a chirp <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, at least we can revive. So yeah. there's that. As long as um, we're all close to close to said trap. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't Leroy Jenkins my way out there, so it should be all right. Honestly, I'm the one who's generally going to be at fault in those moments. Well, you're definitely going to be well, the one we blame. I'm, I'm a little. <laughs> I'm a little more, as Anthony said, more confident when challenging certain areas of places yeah you were the one who tr- went through that trip wire and i was like uh, hold on i think we could get nope that's already tripped now we got guys on us <laughs> all right well and uh, then i just I, I just shrugged and then went and shooting everybody <laughs> you did you did well, and they all dead. died in the end so <laughs> and that's um, important and what did you score modern warfare 2 finally the final score ended up being an 85 out of 100. I thought it was really, okay. really good. Uh, the my only big issues were that there were that the UI is just bad. the The menu really system bad. is confusing. Uh, I, I'm not thrilled with the the menus. It's uh, set up like a like Netflix, like Hulu. Menu. Which yeah, I don't know if the rumor's true, but I heard a rumor that the UI designer from Hulu actually worked on this game. So that would explain a lot of things. If that were the case, I don't want to be spreading yeah. a rumor that's not true. That um, Metro Kyle look, though, is very Hulu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, so the, there was that, and then there's some basic missing features that just kind of like, uh, this should be in the game. Uh, when there's no barracks for me to check stats or anything, I, I just that that to me is that's kind odd. of an issue, a weird thing. And then obviously there's still some bugs that they're they're squashing out, but some not the bugs that are like, okay, I can forgive the game, but like when when I can play with two to three people and everything's fine, but when I get over the four player threshold and parties start crashing. Uh oh yeah. We're and it's still somewhat of an issue. Like uh, my game crashes on a pretty regular basis. So uh, just some things that come they need to be fixed. So I, I, it loses a couple points for that, but I mean the campaign's incredible. 
the 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 spec ops i i've just really enjoyed it uh the the multiplayer even with its faults i think it's a very engaging multiplayer mm-hmm. uh but i th- i think one of the things you said hits the nail on the head in that i mean th- this is the best gun play in in shooters like there's nothing like picking up a gun in call of duty and shooting it 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 just it just feels good that these designers know what they're doing every time they do it very much so all right, that is uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, developed <laughs> by Infinity Ward and published by Activision, of course. All right, David, we got some news. Hit us. Yes, we do. Um, one of the first ones, this wasn't in one of the things that I sent over to Anthony, but it looks like uh, Metroid Prime 4. There's been some emails that got sent out from Amazon about it. Uh, the new delivery date is January of 2024, so the placeholder has placeholder. been moved again because they're not expecting it any time next year, apparently. So we will see, but unfortunately, uh, that's it's never a good thing when you have no clue when a game is coming. Why do you say the uh, things that hurt me? I'm I'm sorry, Ron. I know. <laughs> It hurts me too. I am I am a huge Metroid fan as well, especially the Prime series. Yeah, um, we already touched on it as well. Call of Duty made eight hundred million dollars in its first in its first weekend, which jumped both of the openings of I believe it was Doctor Strange and uh, I think Top Gun. Like, so it's it's actually bigger than the biggest movies that launched this year. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is, I mean, I mean you know, when the game costs sixty dollars, so yeah. Well, the Call of Duty on next gen is seventy dollars, and it's seventy dollars on Steam. So, mm. so that it is a little bit more, but still, anytime you sell roughly, let's just guess, they sold like ten million copies. That's pretty darn good for your Ooh. first weekend. <laughs> that is nuts. <laughs> I mean, just insane. Insane numbers in a, in a weekend. It, it just goes to prove that, that it goes to prove that Modern Warfare is the best timeline. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the only two games I could beat it is another Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto. That's yep. pretty much the only two games I'd be able to beat. That. What's funny is I remember looking at years the best selling game for each year for a while back. And it has almost always been Call of Duty. I think Red Dead beat them when Red Dead 2 came out. So I think that was one. Grand Theft Auto 5 beat them the one year, the year it came out. And then Rock Band, I think, weirdly enough, the year it came out. Rock, uh, Band, Rock Band was frequent play at my house. Yeah. Rock, Rock Band was not only the thing, but it also caught, it had an entry point of what, 2 to 250. So <laughs> that does make. When you sell one kit and it's about the same cost as three to four games, yeah, <laughs> it does make a difference. <laughs> Very much so. Um, beyond that, uh, something that was kind of a big deal this week is gaming Twitter lost one of the biggest people that report on news when Nimbellion actually left. Um Pretty much, he said, it's just he, his time and energy, it was better to be spending it somewhere else. And he, I know a lot of people are concerned about different things, but 
he doesn't feel like Twitter has had good leadership and he doesn't think it's going to get any better in the future. So in the end, really, though, uh, if you can't really monetize Twitter very well and no matter how big of a following he had, if you can't monetize it, then you're putting a lot of time into it without a lot of results back because he tried to do a Patreon and it sounds like that just didn't work for him, sadly enough. Um, I know I will miss his posts because I, I got a ton of information from those. He he always had on-time, split-second posts on news stuff coming up that whenever it hit. Yeah, he was basically a, a news aggregator on his own. Yep. That's a bummer. Yeah, loss. yeah it, it sucks. I'm, I don't know. I, I felt like I was kind of, I was confused by his, I like a better way to put it, the lack of awareness. Um, he never posted anything personal. He never, like his, his Twitter was literally just video game stuff. Um, in an age where personality kind of helps sell and uh, people didn't want to pay for news aggregation, which... I mean, they were technically getting it for free anyway, because his Patreon was just if you want to support him. And like you said, if you want support, I mean, if if I want a buck, then I'm going to have to work for it. And oh, for sure, that was that wasn't something that was really and I I don't mean it in a bad way, but just putting news together isn't working for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not compelling enough for sure. Yeah, by itself, by itself, it's not compelling enough. Yeah. The the amount of work he he was putting in, I imagine, is a lot. Oh, yeah. Sitting there and being ready to post things, so I I don't want to I don't want to uh, come off like he wasn't doing any work and he didn't. Oh, no, he was doing it money. tremendous. I, it was just the, I it was just think the method. He deserved to get paid, but when you try to convince people, hey, pay me for sitting at my computer and uh, getting your news really really fast to you, that's that's a hard bet. That's a hard yeah. bet to make. Um, it, because why? When I could get it, just, literally somebody else could re- replace the Bellion right now and do the exact same thing, and people would follow that account because it's doing the same thing. So yeah. Um. So it's it's unfortunate that he just he couldn't figure something else out to offer on top of that. Probably because he didn't have time because getting all that news out as quickly as possible is super time consuming and hard to do on its own and it's something you got to start early you've got to get those habits kind of into place so that that way as you grow those things the the biggest problem was you've already grown your twitter so much you've suddenly got to turn around and grow a youtube or or a a podcast or something like that alongside it so that's going to be tough yes you do have the platform to advertise it but you're still having to grow that additional platform and for a lot of people they don't want to put the extra work after putting all that time into the one platform so it's totally understandable especially if you're a one-man army that's the biggest thing it's i've i've done a lot of the content creation game and we all have uh, it's certainly nice to be a part of gaming trend where we have multiple like-minded people who can handle different duties <laughs> so that it's not all on one of us. And e- even then it's can be tough. Speaking from yeah, experience, I, doing this as a one man job is a, is a losing bet. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I think if he would at least, you know, if he would have been able to, I won't say at least, but if he would have been able to even put out a podcast, <laughs> I think that would have sell sold because the idea of like, oh, I finally get to know get to know Nebelian a little bit. Like, who is this dude? Who's this dude who's been giving me news this whole time? You know, I don't, I don't know. But time to how much you could pay for it? Probably not worth it. So good for him. He got out. He's, he's, he's doing whatever he wants to do now. So, uh, hope, hope he's, hope he's happy and, uh, you know, get some rest. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm wondering if you're going to see him pop up in a different way. You know, I wonder if we're going to see him pop up, you know, as part of a game, uh, channel or just somewhere that's not on his own. You'd hope that he'd reach out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, where somebody else could pay him for what he's doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. He could become a news editor for somebody else. But I guess we'll see. You'd have to have the journalistic chops, though. You know, he's just kind of reposting what people it's are true. doing. So there's a whole um, there's a whole but, discipline that goes with that. But to be fair, like a lot of people in the industry were supporting him. Well, I would say a lot, but at least people who knew of him put money behind on his Patreon. It just overall, it wasn't enough. So people know who he is. Yeah. So I mean, he could get it. The good news is he's got just learn the that's job. That's the good news. He's got the name recognition to get something else later. <laughs> and I imagine he knows developers. Like I, yep. I imagine he's had contact with people. So you're right. He he might show up in some other form or fashion. Oh, he does. And then lastly on the docket, PlayStation VR two coming in February. For the price of five forty nine ninety nine, uh, that is yeah. the headset and including the new controllers as well. I was looking forward to this because I'm very interested to hear your thoughts and see if they line up with mine. What are your thoughts on the price? Where you so, at, Anthony? Oh, me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, with you. yeah. Yeah. So this one's interesting because. The VR is so uh, niche right now that overall it sits in a place where it's like other VR headsets are really expensive. So to get into it, you'd have to pay this really exorbitant price. But then there's the PSVR 2 where it's much cheaper than everything else. And so it's an option if you want to get into it at a lower price. On the flip side, though, it is also a, P- a piece of hardware that sits above the PlayStation 5 in price. And for the regular console consumer, that's expensive, uh, especially for the ones who, aren't, who have little interest in it or a little bit of interest and or they, they want to see what happens with it, but they're not necessarily in it yet i don't know who this is for at this price that's that's kind of the confusing part what do you think david um which i think it's really playstation's looking to be a premium brand that's that's kind of how they've been so this is that this is kind of sitting there for that early adopters you've got playstation knows they've got a lot of people who are more than willing to drop money on just about anything they put out the specs uh, Ron and I have talked about it. The specs on this thing, they are 
absolutely fantastic. So the price to me sits correctly for what you're getting. I do agree with you, though. This th- At this price, you're not tugging the casual audience. But at the same point, I, I don't even know. Like you said, it's niche. I don't know that that's necessarily who they're aiming at. My biggest thing is the launch lineup. I don't see a lot there that just tells me you need to buy this day one. That That is always going to be where I sit when it comes to new consoles, new hardware, new this, new that. Why, If I'm buying this to play games, what are you offering me to play? And beyond Horizon Call of the Mountain, I see a lot of interesting looking titles, but I also see a lot of reships with like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I have that on my Oculus. I'm, I'm in, If I'm a VR consumer, I've already have an Oculus. I have several of these already. So I'm not I know that, yes, I'm going to be playing it in much higher fidelity and there's going to be some things that PlayStation pushes to make it more unique, possibly with the haptics on the actual headset, uh, the haptics and the triggers. But VR is always fun in the sense of you have to experience it to be sold on it. It's not something you watch a trailer for and you're like, oh, I'm there that you have to get it in your hands. So Sony is going to be having the fun thing of having price working against them, having launch lineup working against them. But as they had back at PSVR one, they're going to need to figure out how to demo this thing because the easiest way to get it in people's hands, the easiest way to sell it is to get people holding on to it and using it and trying it. So that's, that's at least where I am with that. Ron. No, you're 100% right. I think that they're going to have the same problem that Nintendo had with the Wii. People looked at that and went, the what now? And they ended up having to roadshow the thing to get people to get it, to understand why is this different? Why do I want this thing with a weird controller? I mean, not like Nintendo's not shipped a weird controller with everything they've ever <laughs> shipped. But, but, you know, they had to really get people to understand why do I want this? And especially, you know, you mentioned the uh, the, uh, the Quest 2. And I think that people are going to immediately make that comparison because they're both they're both roughly the same panel resolution. If, if you've read Gaming Trend at any time, you know that I'm going to focus on the tech. <laughs> they're both basically the same panel resolution. Um, if I remember cor- uh, correctly, it's like 2000 by uh, 2024 or 2040 per eye for the uh, PSVR 2. The Oculus Quest is slightly less than that. It's 1832 by 1920 per eye. That's almost imperceptible. So let's just call it the same. The the glass, it's going to be LCD versus uh, OLED. So you're probably going to get a little bit better. Uh, you're going to get a little bit better of a color gamut and probably a little bit less light bleed out of the uh, PSVR 2, so that's going to be an improvement, but is it enough to justify effectively double the price? Um, well, I guess maybe not now that they've raised the price on the on the Quest 2, but I think they're going to have to get people to see the haptics and start to say, okay, this is worth or is not worth uh, the extra money. Um, and I think you're right in in the fact that we are missing a killer, a killer app. Uh, you know, am I going to go back and play... You know, the the Hitman demo, well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Hitman 3's VR stuff is pretty cool, but is it enough to justify a headset? Probably not. Um, 
you know, I, I think they're going to have trouble until they start to say, all right, we need to go after some of these big name titles that, that are just huge. And they're not going to get Microsoft Flight Simulator, but they might get something like Elite Dangerous. You know, Elite Dangerous is fantastic in VR. Are they going to get I'm that? I'm really surprised it? they didn't get Half-Life Alex for launch. Yeah, like, they'd have to pay, you know, a ton of money for it, but it's not like Sony's not done that before. But yeah, they're they're missing that critical app that's going to propel this thing and they're missing the chance to get it in people's hands and go, "Okay, well I already have a PSVR. Why do I need the second one?" Um, in terms of gear, I think spec-wise, the foveated rendering where if you're unfamiliar, folks who are listening to this, foveated rendering is basically it's going to render at the highest resolution where your pupil is pointed. And the PSVR is going to look at your pupil and figure out where that is. Um, so it allows you to kind of have that that bokeh kind of out of focus look on the outside edge. And they can spend their hardware on where you're looking, not necessarily where you're not looking. It's a pretty cool tech. And we're seeing it start to emerge in some of the higher end headsets like the Crystal from Pimax is going to have that foveated rendering. Um, I think we're going to see that from whatever rumored the Valve comes out with next. And it's going to pretty much become baked in uh, to, to every VR headset. So I think you're going to have to see that in motion for that to make a difference. And it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You can't do it with a trailer, like you said. It's hard. I think it's well-priced. At 550 seems uh, kind of obscene. But when you look at what you know the Pimax Crystal costs, it's half that. So Sony's taking a hit. It's going to be interesting. It's a big gamble. Yeah, well, that's my thing. I'm like, it's it's going to take a hit, but how many people, I mean, the, they still haven't sold as many PlayStation 5s as they want, so now you got this other device that would effectively be $1,000 because you, you need the PlayStation 5 to run it. You yeah, do. Not standalone. It's, it's exclusive to it. Yep. So, yeah, so it's, it is effectively 1000 or close to $1,000 to, to have it if you don't have a PlayStation 5 already. You know, even if you do, you have paid a thousand or close to a thousand dollars to have it. So, uh, well, I guess the idea is just that, you know, a, a good PC to run VR, or it would even be close would, to what that is going to be. You're going to spend a thousand dollars just on the PC at least. Uh, absolutely. But speaking as to as speaking as someone who really has little to no interest in VR, um, you're not getting me on board with this. Yeah, this is this is this is not the play. And so, who who is left? You got people who are interested in VR, but do they have the money to play for the pay for the PlayStation Five and the PS Four? Maybe we're talking about the console space, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is is this is the play. And I guess part of it is, for instance, like you said, the kind of consumer you are with this, I don't think they're aiming for you at all. I think they're aiming for the VR that's, enthusiasts that's and the fine. way they look at it. How, ma uh, how many of those are there? Yeah, I think there's enough to get it off the ground because I don't think there will be many available at the start. Okay. And right. essentially the way you looked at the the way I look at this is this is probably especially since weirdly the thing is only launching on PlayStation Direct to start and you have to get an invitation to even get a hold of to even be able to order one uh, for the February launch. I look at this as kind of a soft launch almost as, hey, mm. you're specifically interested in this. 
So you're the one getting the invite to order this. So that that obviously is targeted. Um, and, and most people, honestly, these things are going to sell out. I, I guarantee these things are going to sell out, partially because they're not going to have a lot of them. <laughs> but so it's already sold on it. Yeah, you're you're selling it to the audience that sold on it. But we get to the end of next year and suddenly we are multiple years into the PS5 life cycle. There are more PS5s. Uh, this is something they can continue to scale with the PS5 uh, while also grabbing all the extra money from the early adopter crowd. Uh, and eventually it'll be kind of like the Iron Man bundle that I remember selling at GameStop where the thing is 250 <laughs> And the casuals who are interested in it come out and grab it because right, oh, right. it's only two fifty. I'm gonna call an audible. I just played Iron Man on the Oculus Quest. Holy crap, it's so good. Um, <laughs> the, the VR game for Ocul- Oculus Quest. So I reviewed the PSVR version way back when. I'm gonna be super brief here. Um, it was limited by the fact that the PSVR is a forward-facing camera with lights on it, right? It has to see those little lights for the for the VR to work. So it worked really well for the platform. So you still could you still couldn't turn 360 degrees. You had to use the thumbstick. That is gone. You can now yeah. turn 360 degrees at will. The other thing was the oh my god, the load times were so bad. It was like two and a half minutes, and you're staring at that awful screen door effect uh, the whole time. You're just standing there. It's like oh, this is awful that's gone it's completely gone it's like three seconds to load no joke three seconds the longest levels were like five seconds i've got my review coming out on gamingtrend.com but this thing is amazing if you if you weren't sold on it before if you've got an oculus quest this is going to be a must-have total power fantasy love it absolutely (laughs) love it Sorry, that was my that was my commercial. Sorry, completely threw everything <laughs> off. Even which heard, uh, they've done a lot with the PS PSVR two to um, eliminate a lot of those screen door effects. So that's going to be even better. Yeah, yeah. We could get into a whole conversation about uh, pixels per per uh, uh, pixels per degree and that kind of stuff. But that's going to be a whole that we could do a whole podcast on just that. <laughs> Anthony would be like falling asleep, but <laughs> I. I like tech numbers and stuff. Uh, I just don't understand a lot of it. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know that they were doing invitational uh, stuff for the PSVR too. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know that knowing either. that, you say that again. Yeah, you I need didn't know to that register either. if you want one, Ron. Ugh. All right. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that changes. The, my view on how you know they're going about the pricing and things like that uh so everything you said david makes sense uh in that way i thought they were just like hey it's gonna be on shelves this you know like (laughs) whatever so um that that makes a lot more sense in terms of the pricing who they're aiming at and what they plan to do in the future so and now i understand why it's direct if you have to sign in and you have to sign up they can simply look and say, are you playing PSVR games? Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, we'll sell you one. They're going to yeah. have all that info. That is true. And now I'm all signed up. Thank you, David. You're welcome. I sent him a link since I was already on the page. <laughs> there you go. Feeding my addiction. Yeah. Uh, the, the other downside, none of the PSVR games are backwards compatible, right? 
No, that that is a downside. However, uh, one of the games has already come out and said that they are doing a free upgrade if you purchase the PS4 version, the PS VR one version. So, so there hopefully... are some developers who are who are crafting a PS VR two version. Yes, so okay. you may not get everything, but hopefully, they will eventually have several at least. So you'll have a bit of a back catalog to a degree. Okay. And I'm That's assuming good. that would be the more popular titles, obviously, that'll that'll do something like that. Because Beat Saber, somebody failed. <clears throat> the interesting thing will be is if PSVR 2 actually ever gets Beat Saber because that studio... Oh, never is, had Beat Saber? Well, they did in PSVR 1, but now that studio is owned by Meta. So oh. I, I'm not sure if uh, Meta <laughs> is going to play nice oh, with their competitor... Yeah. And be like, hey, we'll go ahead and give you a version of Beat Saber. <laughs> so, I mean, if they could get a but cut. But Pistol you know? Whip is coming, and Pistol Whip is awesome. Oh, okay. There you go. I don't know what Pistol Whip is, but... Good I'm sure Pistol Ron Whip can guy. attest to it. <laughs> I reviewed it. <laughs> there you go. That's good stuff. It's fun. All right. That will do it for us, then. That was a... Uh... It's a good conversation, fellas. That was nice. That was nice. Oh, yeah. uh, so if you want to talk to us and tell us what you think about the games we talked about, we call it, uh, talked about the Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer, and we also talked about God of War Ragnarok. I guess you guys can't talk about it yet because you haven't played it, but the reviews are out. So if you got opinions on the reviews that you've seen, sure, yeah, hit us up on our Discord. You'll find that link in the show notes for whatever podcast app that you use. All right. That's David. I'm Anthony. Ron is here as well. We'll talk to you later. Peace. See ya.